everybody and welcome to the Words Over Whiskey podcast episode 26. I am your host Henry and as usual I'm joined by my co-host Tom. Tom. Hello! How, How are, are you? Ah, uh, uh, snap. <laughs> yes, we have things to like, etc, etc. How are you Henry? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm doing well. How about yourself? Yes, yes, I'm okay. Ready for some whiskey. Ready for some whiskey. Good, because I am excited to show you what I've got lined I've up. I'm looking forward to this. You've been, you've been hyping yeah, this I've, up I've, for I've, me. I've, I've got a bag by my feet with whiskey in it. But I've been when do you not, if I'm honest? When do I not? Yes, true. I am the whiskey man. I am the whiskey provider. I am the whiskey I man. Think... I come from Whiskey Lane. And yeah. I can play... Okay. Well, can you play a whiskey bottle? You can... That's all you can do. Just blow it like a flute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, I've been quite secretive about this episode and what whiskey I've got. Yes, you have. So, yeah, I, I'm going to do something. I'm going to surprise you. Cool. Okay. So Okay. I'm going to be surprised. So, first of all, I have a bottle here. Oh, the IPA experiment you mentioned! Yes, but that's not the only one. Oh, oh god! I have another bottle. Oh my god, another Glenfiddich! So yeah, so I have two Fire Glenfiddich. and Cane! Yes, experimental series. Oh wow! I've, I've oh, have you got more? I realise I've done this in the wrong order, but I have another one! We have three bottles of whiskey for us to try. <laughs> yeah! But it doesn't stop there! Wait, what? I have another bottle of whiskey. Oh my god, you've got nuts! So, what I have lined up beside the microphone right now is four bottles of Glenfiddich. And very beautiful bottles, if I may say so. Each of them part of the Glenfiddich experimental series. Unfortunately, I couldn't get all five because the Winter Storm, which was the third release of the... uh, of the series uh, goes for about five hundred pounds now. Oh my god! Why is that? Why is number three so expensive? Uh, so number three, Winter Storm. They did. I think they did two batches. And it's a twenty-one-year-old finished in ice wine casks. So it's an old, older whiskey compared to these other ones. Okay, and it's, that makes sense. Uh, there, there, there was more of a limited amount of it. So. Oh, okay. It's limited and old. Okay, fair yes. point. So I think when it originally I accept. came out, it was about like, 60, 70 pounds, and then they haven't released any more yet. And so people who still had bottles, kind of the price got driven up. So yeah, I think I looked up. It was like there was a bottle going for about three to five hundred pounds. Mm. I was like, mm, yeah, no, I'll stick with the ones I can afford. So we've got Glenvidic IPA Experiment, which was the first bottle released. We've got the Project Twenty, which was the second one released. We got mm. Fire and Cane, which was the fourth released. And the reason why I'm doing all these on the episodes. On this episode is because of the most recent release, the Orchard Experiment, which came out just about three, four weeks ago. Oh, okay. So this is going to be quite fun because it's going to have quite a lot of bottle cork popping open and everything. Because each of these are unopened because I have yet to try. I've tried the Project Twenty before, but that was a very small sample and it was a little while ago, so I can't quite. Do you like me? That's fine. I've got it. Thank you. I can't quite quite remember what it was like. I remember enjoying it, but yes, and I have a few. Oh, I like the cork. That's nice. Oh, that's, that's, that's wood. Yeah, it's like the embossment of the... Yeah. So we're going to go through each of these throughout the episode, and I'm sure whichever ones you want some more of, I'm sure we'll, you can have some more. But yes, so this is Glenvillic IPA Experiment. So it's an Indian Pale Ale. I've got... I've it, got wait, wait, wait. It's a, is it a whiskey or is it Indian Pale Ale? So is I've got. Um, is it a whiskey okay. made in the style of Indian pale ale? No. Is Indian pale ale made in the style of whiskey? I'm gonna tell. I didn't you. know how that would work. So it's a whiskey finished for three months, 
in okay. casks that were originally ex-Glenfiddich casks okay. that went to the Speyside Craft Brewery, oh, okay. who, who crafted a special beer that they aged in the casks for a month, okay. before then sending the casks back to Glenfiddich for them to fill with whiskey. For whiskey. It's a whiskey, um, okay. And then I think... Yeah, and so the whiskey was then finished in these casks, for, in the IPA casks, for three months. Okay, okay. So that's why it's an IPA finish. It's the, the first IPA finish Glenfiddich I've ever done, so... Yay! So it'll be interesting to see if we actually get any beer notes or anything. I do look, I do look quite like them. Like, it's all they do look very, very pretty next to each other, yeah. So yes, so this is the IPA experiment, the first of the series. Cheers, Henry. Cheers. A bit fruity. Yeah, yeah, on the nose, this is the bit smelling it right now. A bit honeyed. Mm-hmm. Not sure if I'm really getting any hoppy. Yeah, I, I can't smell elements. beer. I can smell whiskey. It smells very whiskey-ish, mm. but I'm not getting any beer. Maybe now I've said hops, maybe it's just my imagination. I'm thinking, oh, I do get a tiny trace of it, but that might be just the power of suggestion in a way. Well, pale ales and IPAs, tend, they, 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 you, you do get this like fruity smell from them. Yeah. So I think we should try taste it and see how we feel. Of all the whiskies you've ever given me, if you were to ask me which one tastes the most like beer, I would definitely say this one. <laughs> Not that whiskey would not that you've ever asked me that no not, <laughs> not that, that you ever going to ask me that again like that whiskey should taste like beer but no but that works that really works I like that I mean I love beer and I love whiskey so if you combine the two more it's not to like mm. Mm. I like the nose it's very pleasant taste no, I have to go back to it I'd say it tastes weaker than most whiskies I've, I've tried mm. I mean whether it is or isn't it tastes weaker what is it? Forty percent? Forty-three percent. That's quite. That's stronger than a lot of whiskies I know. But it doesn't taste. It's not. I meant with the taste. It doesn't taste that strong. It kind of tastes quite fresh. In a way. Yeah, fresh, but also sort of like I don't want to say watery, but sort of like mellow. Yeah. It's not like there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of deep complexity to it. It's nice, no. easy drinking. Yeah. I say of of the five experimentals. I say if you're going to have one on like a lazy afternoon after work or whatever, I don't mean I haven't tried the others yet, but I say this is the one that you could just splash out on. If you could, the others will be like, I'm, I'm guessing, for special occasions and with friends, etc. But I say this is the one where you're just like, oh, I just fancy a whiskey. That's very bold of you to say that. Oh, really? Having, uh, before having the no, others? I was going to yeah, say, bold fair. of you to say that before, at the very start, when you haven't even tried any of the others. It's nice, though. <laughs> <laughs> right there. Yeah. Sorry, I went down the wrong hole. Went, down, went down the wrong way. Yeah, it's nice. It's like um, it's quite yeah, like I said, quite fresh. Got a lot of that sort of fruity, honeyed notes in the nose. Yeah, perfectly easy drinking. But oh, hundred percent. Like um, yeah, I re- I just all the bottles. I really like the uh, design of them as well. They're so sleek. Yes, very nice. And they, because of the, the the logos and the colour coordination, they match. Yeah. Although it's interesting, they've kind of gone with a different design for the number five. That's quite... It's, it's a, bigger, it's, isn't it's it? It's taller and it's a different it's, sort of design. It's more angular. I mean, all Glenfiddich's are the triangle shape, but this is more of the triangle shape. It's got this indent in it. Can you see that triangle? Yeah. Not triangle, uh, arrow even. The logo's bigger. Yeah, the others, the, the others are a bronze coloured, whereas that one's green. 
and also like like the corks they're all somber colors i mean the that, that's a dark one i mean these two are lighter but this is like neon green this number five mm. so it's like your three emo friends and then the one extrovert <laughs> Yeah, like I said, I'm not sure if I'm really getting any beer notes from it, but it's certainly a very pleasant drink. I can see the beer inspiration. I can taste the beer inspiration. Yeah. It's sort of... I don't know how to describe it. It's mellow and and smooth mm. like a beer. It's not as complex a whiskey as we've had in the past. It's certainly not going to blow your face off like Smokehead. And it's not sort of like a punch in the gut like other whiskeys we've had. Yeah, it's... um. Yeah, I was going to say, unfortunately, I couldn't provide a 26-year-old whiskey like I did for a 25-year-old <laughs> tw- on episode 25. But, yes, I thought this would make it for an interesting... Well, by um, the time we get to episode 50, we'll be screwed if we try to do an yeah. episode, a whiskey aid per episode. Yeah, but, I mean, but yeah, I thought this would make an interesting lineup because I've had the Project 20 I've had on my shelf unopened since about November last year. Oh, God. Um, and then I've gradually picked up the others over the past few months and I haven't hadn't opened them yet and then of course when the Project 5 came out I was like right this is a perfect opportunity this is, this is time for me to for us to crack them open and try them on the podcast so yeah and I think I think when we get round to number 5 you will find that one quite interesting I think number I think Fire and Kane and Orchard Experiment will probably be the two it'll be interesting to get I don't know I'm quite intrigued by Project XX I think that is the one I find most interesting yeah Um, I'll get onto the story of that a bit later is that that underneath the logo meant to be like a fingerprint yes yes oh okay okay so um, are you ready for a bit of whiskey trivia yes of course I am you know how knowledgeable I am yes sure so if I said what is uh, what does the term STR in whiskey mean what do you think that stands for S-T-R. Is that an abbreviation of a phrase? Or is that an abbreviation of a word? So or it's an abbreviation for... Um, three words. Three words. Standard titillation regime. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, okay? I don't know many whiskey um, jargon. But just logically, think, think that... Think back... On those three words you just picked out, and think, what do they? Ha- what would they have to do with whiskey? I don't know what titillation is, to be fair. <laughs> and regime was a complete stab in the dark. Oh dear. But I think standard was fair. Yeah, standard. I thought, okay, he's uh, he's he's having a stab in the dark, and then it went completely, <laughs> completely wild. wild. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. So STR had to do with whiskey. Is it like um, Scots whiskey or Irish whiskey, or is it whiskey in general? Or what we're talking? Uh, it's actually to do with the barrels. Of, of any whiskey? Of whiskey. Do you want me to just tell you? Yeah, I'm really here forever. So it means shaved, toasted, and recharred. Yeah, I was never going to get that. Yeah. Didn't think you would, but it was in- interesting <laughs> to see what you guessed. <laughs> so, it's, um, sort of, so it's to rejuvenate the barrels for when they reuse them, because I think in the pre, quite a few episodes ago, ago we said, told you how many times you can... They tend to reuse barrels. Right, yeah. Um, and so this is a method to sort of rejuvenate them after a use. So they shave it, and then they lightly toast it, and then they rechar it. And what that does is that activates the wood. Recharge, you say? Rechar. So when what's the difference between charring and toasting? I think toasting is a sort of... Uh, I think it's a 
lower temperature and that kind of activates the flavor flavor and recharring um i think it provides like an extra layer or some uh, i can't i can't quite remember the whole process of the method but it's um basically a way for them to rejuvenate the wood it for the barrel uh, to release more flavor when they put more whiskey into it right okay so yes, so this will be on your end of year quiz. I'll be, oh God! I'll be testing you to see if you remember. I'm hire an assistant and have to make notes. You you've said that all the time, but it never happens. Well, I mean, we do you know publish these episodes. I can hire an assistant whenever listen to all these episodes, and they can make notes. Yeah, sure. But yeah, Henry, you need a job. No, I already got one. Thanks. Lovely. I'll try. So yes, yeah, there you go. That's what the S. So if you see. On a on a whiskey that it's an STR barrel or the barrel that means it it's gone through that process to rejuvenate it and okay. sort of release more flavours. Yeah. Are there any whiskies that I might know that have gone through this process? Um, not that you'd know, but one I've tried recently is the Lindor's Abbey STR Bordeaux cask. Oh, okay. And it's part of their Lindor's cask series, and that would oh, Lindor. Lindor's Abbey. Lindor's Abbey. Oh, okay. Because Lindor stuff. make chocolate, don't they? Yes. This is not that. <laughs> this is not that company. No. But uh, yeah, it's really, it's really delicious. It's quite fruity. It's like ripe, oh, okay. juicy fruit on the nose and the palate, and it's, oh, it's absolutely delicious. And yeah, I'm really tempted to pick up a bottle at some point when I see it again because I got to try a sample, um, and I. I think I had some more recently when I was at a whiskey bar because I saw it. It's like, oh, I remember enjoying that. I'm going to have some more to see if I, it's as good as I remember and it was. So if I find a bottle somewhere, I might pick it up. Not that I really need more whiskey at the moment, as seeing as we're opening up four bottles. Four now. bottles, yeah. Yeah, so I, I was I was looking at getting a, another bottle of something recently, but then I was like, hang on, I'm seeing Tom in like a week's time and we're opening up four bottles and <laughs> I don't really need more whiskey it's never a case of needing more whiskey but you always need more whiskey yeah, you need it's whether or not you have space for more whiskey yeah or it's, it's, it's more or whiskey. you can afford more whiskey yes it's never a need it's always a want <laughs> <laughs> well that's fair how are you finding it now you've had more time to sit with it I find sometimes if I drink whiskey a little too quickly or if I have too much at once it can be overbearing but I'm not getting that with this one no it's very very easy, very approachable, I think. It'd be a good starter whiskey. Mm. Someone who doesn't know whiskey very well, if they tried this one, it'd be a good entry level whiskey for them. Definitely, yeah. Because it's, it's just tasty. It's tasty, it's easy, it's... I stand by what I said. I know alcoholic strength-wise it's quite strong, actually. But in terms of flavour... Well, whiskey has to be a minimum of 40%. Well, that's true. Of the five bottles I've got on my desk, only one of them is above 40%. So, all of them are 40. And one of them is 40... The Deanston is 46. You need to try some more cask strength stuff, then. I think I do. Yeah. Sort that out. Mm. I do I do like the nose it's sort of that yeah like I said quite fruity and quite honeyed the nose, the nose is very pleasant yeah on the palate it's just very easy drinking but compared to like I think kind of spoil us with the uh, Glenfarcus 25 because that was just so deep and rich that and was flavorful. that really was mm. although yes the each of these bottles was considered I think combined they equaled about 
the same price as I got that bottle for. So, well, that yeah. makes sense. No, that'd be the question. No, there's a question for you. If you had two hundred pounds, yes, would you would you buy one expensive bottle for it if you could, or would you buy like a few bottles? Like if you could get four fifty pound, or you could get a couple of seventy pound, and a I think pound. I'd get a couple of seventy pound bottles. Because although the £200 bottle would probably taste amazing, the £70 bottles will still taste really good. Yeah. But we'll actually have more to talk about because that's actually more whiskey. Yeah, that, that would be my thing as well. I, I'd prefer to get a few so I can try a few different ones. Unless, of course, there was whiskey I desperately knew I wanted for around that price. If someone wants you to a £200 bottle. <laughs> I think the most expensive one of theirs I've seen is about £80 maybe. Yeah, I want to try it one day. But yeah, I mean, Tullamore Dew is quite a nice, easy go-to because it's fairly inexpensive, but it's still tasty. Mm. But yeah, well, it's interesting. I was just about to go take a, another sip of this, and I got some. I got. Um, I was getting almost like white chocolate on the nose, and it's quite interesting. Oh. I pick picking something different out now. Don't know whether you, you get the same, but it's just something. Well, I've got barely any left in here. Yeah, so I, I just had the sun thoughts. Oh, that makes me think of white chocolate. I don't know why, but right, it's ready for the next in minute. Hmm, <laughs> that is a good whiskey. Going on with that question just now, then, if you well, the STR one, no, the two. If you had two hundred pounds, oh okay. What are a few whiskies that you've seen around where you like? Okay, if you could pick like. A few like 40 50 pound whiskies, and you could get like two or three of them. What ones would you? I'm glad you asked. Someone I know, a very good friend of mine, gave me this magazine called Whiskeria. I'm not if I'm pronouncing that right. Is that, I'm, I'm, I'm not pronouncing that right. Whiskeria, Whiskeria, and it does actually have aside from this, Tullamore Dew. So it has a massive advertisement just before St. Patrick's Day for Tullamore Dew 12 years. Mm. Oh yeah. Side note: We are t- Tom has literally pulled this out by random. We are not. Uh, I've, I've not planned this. I've yeah, literally just gone and got this yeah, for we're, myself. We're not promoting this. It's not like an endorsement or promotion or anything. But I don't know if I've mentioned before, but I'm a big fan of Henry. Help me out with the pronunciation here. Balvenie. Oh, that's exactly how I work. Okay, fine. The Balvenie. I'm a big fan of that whiskey, and it turns out that they've done a special bottle, which is Petey. It's called the Week of Pete, and I want to try that. <laughs> Which is in seventy-five pounds. The price range that you suggested, and that's in their recommend, recommend that's in the magazine's recommendations for smoky whiskey. I see you've been studying it hard, just saliv- <laughs> salivating, salivating over all of this. All the whiskeys. Oh, there you go. Never fit it. We're gonna. Uh, I found the one. One of the ones we're gonna try. Oh, and the one you mentioned earlier, Arban. Arban. Yeah. There, that's in here too. That was outside the podcast. Again. Well, that's very true. I want to try some of the Dalmores. Mm-hmm. The, the, the Dalmore 12 is about £54, didn't you say? Mm. But I could also try the Dalmore 15, which... You've tried the 12 before, because I've given yeah. you a sample before. It was, I don't know if it lived up to the hype that you built no, for it. Granted, it, I think it's sherry cask, so for me, that's oh, much okay. more my thing, whereas you, yeah. you're more of a smoke, smoke this, peat head. This 15-year-old, rich and sweet, I, I can get behind that. Mm. And this one, this 15-year-old I want to try is £83, mm. which I, I think would definitely fit the bill from what you're describing. It's there again. See, it's popular. It must be good. 
Oh, and I want to try the Yamazaki. Yamazaki 12 years of 140. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I, Japanese whiskey is I, shot I, I would hate that happily. But I also want to try this one just here. That's actually Saketsu. Uh, I just like the bottle. Quite simply, I just like the label. <laughs> but anyway. Japanese writing and calligraphy. That's right. Does that sort of solve uh, answer your question there, Henry? Yeah, it's quite an interesting range because I thought you were just you were going to go for quite a few nicknames. Yes, love that stuff. I thought you were just going to go for a few smoke bombs. You've got that one on your desk yet. You haven't opened it. Have I you? haven't opened uh, it yet. I'm waiting for me to do some more writing. And then I can be doing writing while sipping writer's tears. <laughs> and crying into his glass. And crying into it. my cup. Cool. Well, before we move on, we both finished our glass. It's time for Project 20. Oh, God. Cool. So, before I crack it open, I'm going to give you a the history. Bit of the history. I'm going to look at the bottle while you talk to me. Yeah, admire it. Oh, so I, this is the one I find most interesting because Project 20, so the reason why it's called Project 20 is because 20 Glenfiddich brand ambassadors... 20 lions, 20, I guess that's there. Yeah, each got to uh, choose a cask from the Glenfiddich warehouses, um, which then master blender Brian Kinsman combined to make the template for this whiskey. So they picked, they each picked a cask, yes. and he blended it all together and created what this would eventually become. So he created the template that they would follow to make this whiskey. And um, there's a another whiskey podcast I listen to called Not Another Whiskey Podcast. Not Another Whiskey Podcast. Not Another Whiskey Podcast. And um, one, of the ho- uh, one of the hosts on there, a guy called um, uh, Mitch, he used to be a Glenfiddich ambassador and he was one of the ambassadors who picked... A cask to go into this, um, the making oh, of this. That's awesome. He was involved in making this. Yeah. So that was h- how I first heard about this, and so hence why I thought this would be a really interesting one to try. So I think it a real variety of different casks. I think they've got ex bourbon, ex sherry, even like port ones. So it's a real combination of different casks. So it's a blend cask. then. It's not, it's not a blend, it's still a single mark set made from a single... Okay, so they took the whiskey and they aged it in some of each 20 casts. And so they aged the whiskey in all 20 casts at some point. Help me out here, Henry. So, sorry, um, they chose 20 casks. Yes. So each cask had whiskey in it. They'd been... Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought you, I thought you they said they no, chose they, they 20... Didn't, they didn't just randomly pick... I want this one to be a sherry cask and I want this one to be an ex-bourbon. These were literally casks in their warehouse of whiskey that was maturing in there. They tried them and they were like, yes, this is going to be my cask. And then the guy took whiskey from each of those casks, combined it together to eventually create the flavour profile of what he wanted this to be like. Oh, okay. So this whiskey is based on that blend that they made. So So I wonder, that, that original bottle that they made to make the template of this must be worth millions. I don't know. Probably worth. Probably very tasty. Pour me a dram. Um, indeed. Yeah. So yeah, I think I was watching Mitch talk about it. I think on it, he's got YouTube channel. So when I was like looking at stuff in the whiskey world, I came across him, and he was talking about this, and I was like, "Oh, that sounds fascinating." So I really want to try it. Oh, this is different on the nose. Oh God, that's much stronger. Is it, is it actually stronger? No, I mean, the smell and taste is stronger. I think no, it is actually it is stronger. stronger. It, is it is stronger. It is 47%. Ha! I mean, yes, of course it is. Well, that's 
that sort of like dark, deeper and richer. It's definitely richer. Like my, like my nose is sort of like ah. Yeah, and that fruitiness. That's definitely got to be from like sherry cask. Mm. Mm, that smells so good. My hay fevery nose is like this is too much. I think this is gonna be my type of whiskey. This well, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's not gonna be my kind of whiskey. Vanilla as well. That's probably from bourbon. Ex bourbon cask. Yeah. Cheers, Tom. Cheers, Henry. That's a whiskey. That's much more whiskey like. Wow, I'm so articulate when I describe whiskeys. <laughs> That's just whiskey. I've tried, I tried two whiskeys. One was whiskey, but this is whiskey. because <laughs> one was whiskey. This is whiskeyer. I think the other one was lighter, brighter. Whiskeyer, whiskeyer. Get it? Yeah. Whereas this one, it's sort of a bit. It feels a bit deeper. This definitely feels richer. deeper. Uh, the, granted, I think it's the higher ABV as well. That often higher ABV you get, get that sort of de- depth of character to it as well. Absolutely. But yeah, I think that definitely helps this one kind of. I'd say with the IPA, mm-hmm. much more sort of just happily have a few glasses of that very easily. Whereas the. It's very mellow, very easy to drink, goes slips down very well. Like we were saying earlier, it's a very good, easy starter whiskey. Yeah, whereas the Project 20, I feel like it's one I would sit with more, I would take my time with. It's... You'd share it with friends, you'd have it for a special occasion. Yeah. What's classier, highbrow whiskey? Sort of um, deeper character to it I'd say exactly yes but as we're seeing here taking our time with this one yes here is another question for you oh okay if you had the chance to wipe any book from your memory so you could reread it afresh okay right yeah or or not just a book actually maybe Mm -hmm. a book of a film or even a game what would what would it be okay we're not going to put include games in this because we'll be here all day Book, book and or film. Book or film. I'm, I would say, obviously you're trying to make me choose my favourite book. So that make, 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 making me try to make would, you would, choose would your favourite limb. It's not possible. So I'm going to give you like a, like a, a, a few, which I would love to read. Would, would it be your favourite book? Because my answer to this, I don't know if it'd be my favourite book, but it'd be a certain part of it. Well, that, that, that's fair. But like I say, you're asking me to choose a book which I would love to reread from Fress. And I can't just say one. There is no one book where I'm like, that's it. There's a number, which I'd like to do. So one of them would be Battlegrounds by Jim Butcher, which is the latest Harry Dresden book. I sat down and binge read the entire novel in 10 hours. I didn't stop to eat. I lied on a sofa over there and I just binge read this book. I was meant to be working, but I didn't. I just binge read this book. Oh I'm, I'm, I'm guessing was, this was during the lockdowns. It was, yes. Um, it, it was amazing. It was a whole experience. Imagine you were living in an action movie, and that's basically that book. It was amazing. I would happily go through it again. <laughs> Alternatively, Best Served Cold by Drew Abercrombie was an, is another favourite book of mine, which I did really enjoy. That, that book ticks all my boxes. It, it was just perfect. Best Served Cold, I can agree. That is a very good book. And when you finally catch up with Harry Dresden, you'll agree with me on Battlegrounds. Oh, for sure. At some point. Battleground. Battlegrounds, Battlegrounds. No, oh, Tom has left the chair. Tom. It's a singular battleground. It's a, a battleground. Yes. Rather than multiple battlegrounds, it's a singular battleground. It's just battleground. Yes. Now, interesting. So, so battleground. Battleground by Jim Butcher or Best Served Cold by Joe Abercrombie. Is it and is it 
just the whole experience or is it would it be like a particular moment from the, the whole experience the whole experience the books as a whole although I might also say the entire Ke- the Tales of the Ketty J series as well because that's contrast to what I would pick because for me yes. there was a particular moment in the book and I was like I did not see that coming and it kind of completely shifted right. my perspective of what the following story would be and that would be Game of Thrones Oh, okay, and okay. Was, yeah, that that gut punch at the end of the first book, A Game of Thrones, exactly. by George R. R. Martin. In case nobody knows, no. but yeah, it's that moment where spoilers if you haven't seen the TV show or the, or book, the book, or you know, been under a rock for the last 10, 20 years. Is when um, Ned Stark gets executed, and I think for me it was kind of that because I was reading it in my teenage years and it was kind of that shift as I was reading this books. is not the fantasy books you're used to yes and that was why it was so shocking to me it's like oh oh the good guys aren't going to come through this unscathed the good guys aren't going to come through this at all how many are left come through this at all but it was like that complete shift in the dynamic you're like oh this is a whole different ball game this is very different from anything I've read before and it's this is going to be a good story. If there's a moral in the in this story, it's not one yeah. you want to follow. It's like the way his character being set up as like an honourable, forthright character who you would you would kind of led to believe would be one of the central characters throughout the series, and then he's dead by the end of the first book, and you're like, oh, oh, oh okay, oh blimey, that, 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 didn't see that coming. <laughs> uh, what's next? <laughs> but it was like it was that moment where it, like it was it was like you said it was that introduction into a very different genre of fantasy than I'd ever read before grimdark or just gritty magical realism kind of thing darker fantasy than anything else before like very different from like Tolkien or anything like that but it's not just something that happening in Tolkien the bad guys actually did something (laughs) other than sit on top of a giant mountain and bruise or some whatever Sauron actually does yeah but yeah I think for me it'd be yeah Game Game of Thrones is like the ending of that is something that's like oh, this would be really interesting to go back to if I couldn't remember it like if the entirety of the series was wiped from my memory and then I reread it I'd be like oh that ending is, would probably do the exact same thing it's a, really, it's a really good twist isn't it yeah but as for say if it was a film it would actually be yeah, animated film called Your Name. Oh, you spoke about this before. Fantastic film. Again, it has a plot twist in it, which I just did not see coming. I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, oh, I did not see that coming at all. That's amazing. That is really good storytelling. And I think I watched that film like three times in one week. And that, like, the, <laughs> the first time I watched it, I was like, a few days later, I was like, I want to watch that film again. And then like, a few days later, I was like, I want to watch that film again. Yeah. So I, I watched that film like three times. I've seen it like a dozen times now, but... I haven't seen it once. It's amazing. I highly recommend it. Um, but yeah, there's a plot twist in it, but I just did not see coming. So you're saying you'd like to re-experience these particular twists. Yeah. So it, it, I wouldn't have to wipe the whole book from your memory, just the ending. Or even the middle, like some of the book. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I can remember the first three quarters of A Game of Thrones, but I can't remember the ending. I think I would want to experience it from start to well, finish. Well, that's fair. So it is actually technically the whole experience of the book, same yes. as me. But you'll but want the whole experience the, 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 because of the, the ending. Root, the root is that plot twist, which 
just made me like, oh, this is this was good, but this has made it so much better. You're absolutely right, but I would argue to make that plot twist have that effect, the writers have probably spent the entire book setting it up like a domino effect. Mm. So I would say you need to experience the novel as a whole for the plot twist to make sense. Oh yeah, I'm not I'm not disputing that at all. So I I would say we're actually the same. We actually want the whole book. Yeah. To be re-experienced. Yes. No, I wasn't. I wasn't saying that I wouldn't. I would just want to wipe the end of Game of Thrones. I would. It would be like, let me re-experience the whole thing. Let me be reintroduced to these characters. The same with the film. It's like, let me see where these characters started and how it's going and how they got to this point. And then, oh, there's this plot twist and how they deal with it. That from there, so it's like, yeah, just completely re-experience it. Yeah, that's in- interesting. Yeah. I, I was wondering what. I th- it's interesting because you mentioned two series I kind of I know as well mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure whether I would get that from you or it could have been something I'd never heard of and yeah you could have been well I've taught I've, I've recommended to you my favourites first I'm really enjoying the Project 20 this is very nice I think I prefer the IPA experiment really it was it was less heavy mm, that's the thing I, I think I prefer this kind of heavy richness because it I, feel, I don't feel like I need as much of it for it to be... I fully agree. But after a big dinner, a glass of whiskey already, I feel like that this is one which you have on its own. Mm. And you appreciate it for what it is. I feel like comparing it to the IPA is sort of cheapening it a little bit. Get what I'm saying? Mm, I wouldn't say cheapening it. I think it's quite fun to try them. Well, fair point, fair point. And compare. Yes, I'm very much enjoying Project 20. Well... What books have you been reading recently, Tom? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) So, I have recently read, and I believe I did mention this to you, Spirits of Vengeance by Rob J. Hayes, which is the latest in the Mortal Techniques series, which I've mentioned several, as I mentioned in the last two episodes, actually, are these series of standalone books set in a world heavily inspired by Chinese and Japanese mythology and history, to a certain extent. And this one is the latest. If you remember, I also spoke about Never Die, also by Rob J. Hayes, and Porn's Gambit by Rob J. Hayes. Um, and this is this one, Spirits of Vengeance, follows the story of what is essentially an immortal ronin who's looking for the spirit of his dead wife while also combating and trying to reduce the atrocities committed by a rogues gallery of other evil spirits who are his mortal nemesis. There seem to be like a lot of immortal ronin in these series. Or- uh, they're Ronin sort of, well in this they're called Shinte Ronin are, do pop up quite a bit and then again they are fascinating characters I'm sure you can agree mm. in Never Die the main character Whisper and Blade is a resurrected Ronin it's correct and this one is a Ronin who can't die mm. at least he doesn't think he can he hasn't tried it because why would you <laughs> anyway I really like this book I mean obviously like the other books in the series it's got this amazing world and like every scene is so memorable and enjoyable like at one point they're trying to cross this frozen lake and this giant white serpent burst out of the frozen surface to attack them and just every single scene is just so cinematic and awesome like, it, it, like it's so memorable I could tell you it's been ages since I've read even Never Die the first book in the series several months ago I could tell you scene by scene everything that happens in that book even the bits that aren't that important to the plot because they were just so well done. Anyway, I particularly liked this book 
Because I've talked a lot before on the podcast about promises that writers make when they write a book. For example, if you open a book and it's on the eve of a battle, you are subtly, maybe not even realising, announcing to the reader that there's going to be a battle. Or maybe you start off the book and your character is training for a boxing match. Or there's some kind of conflict that's going to happen. And you've established that. If you establish a conflict, you then have to deliver the conflict. Otherwise, you know, A, it doesn't make much sense. And I as a reader, and I'm so many other readers too, get disappointed. But it's the same effect if you then take too long to reveal the conflict. Um, for example, if you announce, oh yes, these two factions are going to come to blows. 80% of the book later still hasn't happened. I as a reader am bored, mm. if that makes sense. And in Spirits of Vengeance, they don't actually... There are large parts of the book where they actually go off task and do something else. So like I said, he's looking for the spirit of his dead wife while also tracking down these evil spirits. Mm-hmm. But along the way... Because what, what, what's, what's his purpose with tracking down these evil spirits? Well, he's a spirit hunter. Okay. So he, I said he's immortal. He was given immortality in exchange so that he can track down his dead wife in exchange for hunting spirits. I see. So while he's hunting these five evil spirits, along the way he sometimes meets other dead spirits. And because of his character, he can't just leave them. Although he's trying to find his dead wife, and these evil spirits are much more powerful and are causing problems that he needs to deal with, he can't just leave this spirit when he could help them. So he stops and helps them. And although it's not working towards the plot, if you cut out that segment of him helping that spirit, it wouldn't affect the plot at all. It's like side quests. Like side quests, yes. And normally... So sometimes they do affect the plot, but other times... They, they don't. And when they don't affect the plot, I get really annoyed. I'm like, why is this here? They don't... If they don't... It's not that important to character world-building or plot. I'm like, why is it in the book at all? But in these, it worked so well for several reasons. One, obviously, while tracking the spirits, they cross a lot, you know, across the nation. Mm-hmm. And if they just said, oh, they went from this town to this city then it wouldn't feel like much has happened and it would be a bit of a waste. But if along the way he found a spirit and there's this whole mini side quest, almost like a filler episode on a TV show or whatever, mm-hmm. where they have this whole mini self-contained story where he helps the spirit move on to the afterlife by finding out what it needs in order to move on. Mm-hmm. That A, made it feel like something happened while they travelled, which okay. worked really well and was interesting in its own right. So although it wasn't working towards the goal and the character the character is working towards in the book mm. I felt it was a viable alternative viable it just worked okay <laughs> it's proof as in all writing that rules are more like guidelines you can get away with breaking the rules if done well and Rob J Hayes did mm. it's interesting that um, this is the the, was the spirit hunter is like helping these spirits move, it's because uh, it's similar to a game I'm playing called Kenna Bridge of Spirits, where she's a spirit guy and she does exactly that. She finds what does she have a little furry spirit friend? Yes, they hit so does this immortal Ronin, he also has a little furry <laughs> spirit friend. Yeah, so um, in the game, it's like she goes and she finds spirits and she finds what they need to move on. So it's very, yeah, it's just funny that you were saying this. I was like, oh, this is exactly like a game I'm playing at the moment. It's like, yeah. It's very similar. I also liked these diversions 
because in other franchises where you have monster hunters or bounty hunters or whatever, after a while, you notice that they take these contracts or whatever less and less. If you think about it, when was the last time in the Witcher TV show, for example, Geralt actually took out a contract on a monster? Been a while. Exactly. In the books, I mean, the first two books are a collection of sword stories. The last, Wiss and Sword of Destiny, the first two books are of the Witcher series, are basically books of sword stories. He does take contracts in those. But starting with Blood of Elves, I think, the actual full-length novels, he barely takes a monster contract. In, ba- in Baptism of Fire and Time of Contempt, I don't think he takes a single contract he's too busy dealing with serious shenanigans. Hmm. That's the point where I started to forget, no, he is a professional monster hunter. But in this, does it matter how large the stakes? If Haruto, is the main character's name, the immortal Ronin, his purpose being to hunt spirits, comes across a spirit, even if it's not the one he's currently hunting, he has to deal with it. Hmm. If, if it was Geralt, and he was trying to track down Siri, and he sees a monster contract, he's going to ignore it. Siri's more important. But for Haruto, his purpose is more important. And it was nice just to see him doing his day-to-day spirit hunting activities. It's also <laughs> with the Geralt and Siri, Siri literally could end the world. So. Oh no, the um, stakes in this are just as high. Oh, okay. I'm not going to give you spoilers in case yeah. you want to read them. I, I but the stakes in this are just as high. Every time you've told me about them, they sound really rather interesting. Anyway. Anyway, that's what I was saying about that book. Is it time for the next whiskey, I Henry? I think it's time for the next whiskey because I have an empty glass. You now have an empty glass. I have an empty glass too. Now this one... I'm going to be interested. Firing Kane, is it? Yes. So, tell you what, I'm going to read. Actually, I'm going to read the trivia for this one first. Okay, I'll look at the bottom. Okay, you go ahead. Um, so, Firing Kane. Rum casks. Rum casks. Yes, and peated whiskey. Which peated. Is, which it, for Glenfiddich is actually peated whiskey from Glenfiddich is actually quite rare. Oh, okay. If I believe so, a combination of peated whiskey with unpeated bourbon aged whiskey which is then finished for three months in Latin rum casks. So it's interesting that all of these have a a lot of finishes. They're not like, they're not exclusively matured in any particular cask. They're all finishes, which I've met someone who says finishes is one of the best marketing tools in (laughs) whiskey when it doesn't really mean much. But I mean, I guess that's the subject for debate, but. So I'm not qualified to have. Yay! I'm going to start putting out on the front of the episodes now. <laughs> we should do that. Thank you very much. So yes, this this was one of the ones I was going to be like, it's going to be interesting to see what Tom makes this, because I know you love your smoky, peaty whiskey. So I'm like, hmm, I wonder what he will think. It's probably just me longing for a barbecue, to be honest. Yes. Right, this one. Oh, I can smell the peat already. Yes. Oh, yes. You get that smokiness. Oh, I'd say that's more smoke than peat. Yeah, that's fair. That's all have fruity undertone. Sweetness, yeah, underneath undertone the smoke. as well. I think that's probably the impact of the rum cask. Yeah, it's kind of like a... It's like grilled pineapple in a way. <laughs> I think your um, n- nose abilities are a lot more refined than mine. Yes, the, 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 the more I keep going back to it, the less, the less smoke I'm getting and the more fruitiness. I have to admit. But here's a... Here's a trick I learned from a whiskey tasting is if you smell like the back of your hand or something, it's a neutral smell. And if you go back to it, you'll be able to pick something. Oh, I smell the back of my hand is coffee, Henry. <laughs> but then, yeah, this thing, now I go back to the whiskey, I'm getting more smoke again. 
Maybe a bit of popcorn, you know. Sorry, whiskey. Yeah, actually, no, that makes sense. Yeah, see what I mean? Oh, my God. Yeah, so the idea is it's meant to be a neutral smell, so it counteracts it, and then when you go back to smelling the whiskey, you kind of get that more intensity of aroma back again. Can I drink it now? Yes, you can indeed. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Cheers. Cheers. Oh. Oh, when I first... When it first when I, when you when you have it in your mouth, you're like, oh, this is gonna be smooth. I can't taste much. And then you, as you, it's not aftertaste. It's not your initial taste. But as you swallow, you yeah. get the smoke. You yeah. don't get the smoke afterwards. You get it as you swallow. This is what I like about smoky whiskey. This is what I like. It's it's sort of like how do they do it? How do they program the whiskey? He tastes. He will taste this at this time. How do they do that? Is that the thing? As soon as I take the initial sip, and it's just sitting on my tongue. Yeah, it's think, completely I think it's different. Be, I think it's gonna be fruity. I'm yeah. like, oh, this is gonna be fruity, and then I swallow, and then there's that lingering smoke, pleasant, yes. gen- gentle smoke. Lingering. And, it, and it's completely different to the initial taste. Yes, it's it's. That's what I like. When I, one of my first whiskies I had was that that like a pudding we were talking about before the podcast. It was like this, where it's sort of like a taste journey. Your initial taste. When it was sitting on your tongue, as you swallow, and the aftertaste are completely different from each other. Hmm. It was like, wow, how have they managed to do this? How do you do this? That's the thing. If I, I, if I take a sip and then I swish it around my mouth, I'm just getting sort of this really nice tropical fruitiness. And as soon as I swallow it, that's when there's like that slight that release of the smokiness. But the whiskey knows it's being swallowed, and it's just sort of like, here's, take that. Here's some more flavour for you. Yeah. Sort of like phase two activated. Yeah, pretty much. It's like, it's, like, it's like a second phase of the whiskey. It's like a fruitiness followed by a smoke. This is by far my favourite so far. I, I kind of knew it would be. But yeah, but like, come on. I mean, we've still got one more to In go. terms of complexity, this is definitely the most. I mean... Well, I, I, I know that the Project XX was quite... I would say the Project 20 had depth. I would say this one has layers. Layers, like, yeah, layers. I oh, I like, I like layers. I'm... Whiskies are like onions. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shrek. <laughs> They've got layers. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to talk about one of the books I've read recently because I okay, think yeah, it's quite yeah. interesting. I'm going to have throw out a guess here. Was it non-fiction by any chance? No, it was actually a science fiction. Oh, oh okay, I'm yes. interested. You, so, have, you, have, you have my curiosity, but you have my attention. <laughs> so this was a... It's an anthology. It's a, a book, oh, anthology. It's a um, series of short stories. Series of short stories. It's recommended by a friend who'd heard about it on a podcast. And it's right. a podcast both me and him listen to. Saying, oh, this podcast presenter really likes this book. You should check it out. I was like, oh, I really like their stuff. If they're recommending a book, I'll check it out. Um, so it's called Exhalation by Ted Chang. And is it a series of sort of stories that relate to each other or completely individual? Are completely individual. Completely individual. Okay, completely okay, separate. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unrelated. But what I found fascinating with this book is a few of the short... Well, some of the short stories really made me think afterwards. Well, that's the point of a sort of story. They inspire you to think. If they were just going to be playing entertainment and mm. they wouldn't be they would make it longer but at the same time there was actually one of them that almost made me stop oh reading oh so it's like a mixed so bag it was a very mixed bag for oh the, for the tell most, me tell me more for the most part I actually read so the first one yes. was amazing because it was like a time travel story yes and it was 
the bit that got me thinking was because it was talking about how the events of the past shape the events of the present but how also the events of the future can affect the present day oh okay That's yeah, what so it that it was weird but it was like um different characters who would meet past present and future versions of themselves but then they would get involved in elements of their life that would affect someone they would be soon to meet but then like you would get someone from the future who would come and come to the present and they would do something that would then affect the past and vice versa right and so it was like oh that's interesting that the past can affect uh, obviously the past affects the present but the, the future can then affect the present and the past as well and I but it was really interesting because the way the story opened it was this character talking to a king and then just throughout the story you kind of forgot that element as you as it kind of it was almost like three four stories in one right. there's different characters who were having this time traveling experience and how their past future and present all interacted and had different effects mm-hmm. and then but then right at the end it kind of it it came full circle and it was back and you're like oh that's how we got from there to here well, that's really smart yeah and it was really cleverly done it's like oh I completely forgot that's where we started but it's so interesting how we've gone through all those kind of mini stories in this one story and we're back where we started I was like oh that was a really well done full circle so that one was really interesting and talk about the one which almost put me off the book right and I'll talk about one which I found deeply fascinating the one that almost put me off the book it was to do with kind of like artificial intelligence and it was almost right. like um, the premise was it was this company who were almost setting up like these virtual reality pets mm-hmm. in a game uh, uh, like Tamagotchi but like yeah like Tamagotchi or Neopets but more advanced but from the beginning I could kind of see it was going to be to do with like AI and consciousness and free will and stuff with that but it's like what you've said before with Promises oh Henry experienced it yes, yes. It's, I could see where it was going, the story, but it, unfortunately, this was one of the longest ones in the book, and it was yeah. one of the ones I unfortunately found the least interesting. I was kind of like... Because it I, took too long to make its it, point. Yes. It it was right up until like the end. It was like, it reached its point. I was like, this could have been drastically cut down. Mm. And it kind of just, it kind of longed it out for a while and I was getting a bit bogged down and I was like I can see where this is going I kind of get where it's going to lead and the message just hurry up yeah it was like I kind of want to experience the rest of the book I'm like I kind of get where you're going it is move on from this idea this is kind of interesting but it's taking a while to get there it's also not the most original idea like it's probably an AI story in every single science fiction apology story no, of course, because it's a... It's a, it's a massive topic. Yeah. So, but on the, from the sounds of it, they're not doing it in this sort of story of quality. They're not doing it in the most original way. So how would... And if, it, it, it was... Mm, I don't know whether it's or not, maybe it's, not maybe it's just poor execution. Maybe it's just poor execution. But the point is, you're absolutely right. When things take too long to happen, it is frustrating. Now, the really smart writers, 
they can make you expect something but want something else and then end up delivering the thing you wanted but didn't expect. That's a paraphrase from our Lord and Saviour, Brandon Sanderson, yeah. in his writing course. But if you manage that, you're an amazing writer. We're going to have to start drinking and take a drink every time Tom mentions Brandon Sanderson. To be fair, we are almost an hour into this podcast and I haven't mentioned him yet. I'm, I'm pretty proud of myself. So yeah, it was unfortunate that that one, it kind of almost put me off. But then uh, I was like, okay, I'll get through this and then I should get on to more uh, enjoyable ones or one I might find more interesting. And then next one was really interesting mm-hmm. because it was kind of split in two. It was the story of this, basically um, this technology where people could look back at... Um, it was almost like people had like um, uh, contact lenses which constantly recorded every conversation they had with everyone. Mm-hmm. So they could go back and... Uh, re-examine it so like people having arguments they could oh god that would be so useful in my life I want that that would be so useful but it was then um, so there was that although the cringe would be I'm like why would I say that but it it was kind of like talking about the earlier development of this conversation of this uh, technology and where people would be having conversations but people wouldn't have the technology so they would then have to go to people who had it and then they'd be viewing the thing from a different angle and people would have like it was like talking about the infallibility of memory mm-hmm. and how, in a way, it's kind of, it's a very human thing. But then is it right that we're letting this technology take that away from us? Um, oh. But then it was from the perspective of this character who had had this rough relationship with his daughter where he remembered an argument he'd had with his daughter one way. But the actual technology had it a different way. Um, yeah, she had the technology, so and so she showed him that it was a different way, and so he realised this. There's actually benefits to this technology, but then the other aspect of the story was like this thing that the character was writing, where it was a uh, this character from a tribe who had met a missionary, and then they would. Talk- well, was the character writing the book? No, so this was a separate story within the story. Oh, okay, so it'd be, okay. It'd be like this future thing where it'd be this character talking about technology and then it'd, change, it'd sh- shift to this other story where it was this character from a tribe who'd met a missionary who was then teaching them to read and write. But then it was like the uh, the complexity of language mm-hmm. and how like in their language they had, would have multiple words for what something meant but then the way the missionary would write it it was kind of it would kind of miss the point okay and it was kind of like how language is weird and wonderful and very complex and so they these kind of they were interchanging these two stories but it was interesting because it it got me thinking so of course this guy was um for one thing it was like amazing to think of language in this really interesting and complex manner but then the technology aspect mm-hmm. was it really interesting because it got me thinking like in or in the future or it's like how I see kids interact with to- technology now it's like my Ugh, children <laughs> it's like my like, I remember my cousin when his daughter was a baby and he, she was just there like he had the iPad and she was there like tapping it and playing a game and everything and it's just like God, these kids have grown up with technology that is so much more advanced. We did not have that when we were that young, your, your cousin's age. 
but then it's like we had toys yeah it is like we, we, we weren't uh, what apart from like Game Boys and yeah, but even then kids. how old were you when you got your Game Boy like eight nine exactly much older this than was like a toddler exactly and so it got me thinking about in the future if I have kids what would be what would I allow their relationship with technology to be mm. and can it be a good thing can it be harmful and so it just got me in, in this mode of deeper thinking it's like okay as this as this story proved technology can be a good thing it can mm-hmm. also be a harmful thing it can be a thing we can't quite understand until we try it ourselves as this character found and it's and um, it was just like this really interesting complex side to this story it's like it actually got me thinking like oh if i if i have kids in the future what what do i want their relationship with technology to be and so mm. that's why i found it fascinating because it it got me thinking deeper than just the surface level of the story it actually got me thinking about my future and I swear to god if my daughter wants to play candy cross or something <laughs> like that i will literally disown them but child yeah. for sale <laughs> <laughs> pity them <laughs> yeah me too uh, but yeah and that's why and that kind of fortunately brought me back into the book again it's like oh this was really interesting it got me thinking it's complex ideas and yeah I really enjoyed the language aspect and then I really enjoyed the technology I liked how it swapped between two and then at the end of the book right at the end of that story it was the technology guy saying oh I'm the one who wrote about this language bit to talk about how different technologies and stuff uh, you interact with them differently and it's a very interesting concept very interesting concept so so yeah that I I, and then there are other short stories and stuff within it which were interesting and yeah it was it was good apart from that that middle story which almost made me put the book down um, I could see where it was going but like like you said with promises it just took a bit too long and wasn't the most interesting of the short stories it sounds like execution there are you can get away with that sort of thing The Stand by Stephen King the first is about a virus eerily similar to COVID that wipes out most of the world's population except for a few handful and then some of them start developing magical powers but that's beside the point the first 200 pages the virus hasn't even happened it's all character but you get away with that because Stephen King executes it perfectly. But if you think I'm reading this book about post-apocalyptic America and the apocalypse hasn't even happened for the first 200 pages, yeah, you can imagine how some people might get frustrated. But I think it's all about execution. Stephen King pulls it off. Whoever this guy is, you, I forget what you said his um, name was. Ted Chang. Ted Chang. Doesn't sound like he can put it off. And it's much harder to do in a short story. But that's the thing. It's quite they, they, unheard they, of to think of a short story which obviously you've got limited space to take too long to get somewhere. But, but that's the thing. He, it was just this one. Because the other ones he pulled off the execution line. Like the time travel one, I got really interested. It was like, it became full circle. I was like, oh, that's really cool. And this one, it was like the intertwining of the two stories. That was really cool. And it got me thinking deeply. It was just unfortunately that one. Do you think maybe you missed something with that story? Maybe, but I kind of thought I'd see... Maybe I thought I'd seen where the Maybe you were going. so sure what was going to happen you actually missed what was meant to happen you were meant to get mm. maybe you should try rereading it and see if you know with an open mind and see if you get something else maybe or looking it up online so you know what other people think yeah I might try that one. yeah seeing as 
I struggled with it the first time. Maybe if I go back and or talk to my friend who's also read the book and like, oh, oh what yeah, did you ask think him. this one. And they might be, oh, her. That. Is it him or her? Him. Him. But they want to assume. The 2022. But maybe he would be, they might say the same thing. That, oh, yeah, that one I didn't enjoy as much. Because I, I, I think when I started the book, I said, oh, I just read the time travel one. He said, oh, that one's great, isn't it? I was like, yeah, it's so good. But I, um, yeah, I'll check in with them and see what they thought of the one I struggled with because they might feel the same. Well, they I've got a feel collection of sort story magazines over there. You're welcome to borrow and try if you want. Um, but yeah, anyway, you had um, another book you wanted to talk about before we swap onto a book. Oh, both reading. Been looking forward to talking about this book. This is Kings of the Wild. Wild spelled with a Y. Kings of the Wild by Nicholas Eames. So this is a book about a former band of D&D-style adventurers, including a washed-up bard, an alcoholic rogue, an idiot wizard, a normal nice guy, and a complete psychopath, who team up one last time for one last adventure. And um, this, fan- it sounds like a typical D&D kind of thing, mm. but it's quite unique in it, this whole world they're in. Because in this, they've got lots of D&D-style parties they're referred to as bands. But when they say band... You also mean band in the musician sense. They don't play music. Hear me out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hemi snorted into his water there. For... But they are treated like music bands. So they have agents who find them gigs, quests. Um, they have concerts, arena fights or victory parades. They have their own merch, their own groupies, etc. They're referred to as bands. They're called things like Jane and the Silk Arrows, or Leaf and the Woodsman, or just Saga. Um, and I, I don't know, I saw you the cover. I showed you the cover for Kings of the Wild earlier. I don't know if you saw it on my Kindle. Mm-hmm. It's got the Kings of the Wild is written in the same way that Kiss, their band, that the, the letters are portrayed. And the, the, the D&D style bands are treated like, celeb, like music celebrities, like rock stars, basically. They're treated like rock stars. Mm-hmm. They, at one point, they actually come across an, another band, and they have a touring bus. <laughs> so when they go on quest, they're in a touring bus. It can fly. Of course. What, what, what good bands bus can't fly? Well, obviously. But like, it, it may sound like a stupid gimmicky idea, but it works brilliantly in the book. It just, it's just pulled off fantastically. And I love the banter and sense of camaraderie amongst the characters in this book. Have you seen um, The Blues Brothers? It's an 80s comedy. Well, it's the sort of thing um, that uh, people's dads would say, oh, we'll watch it, but don't tell your mother. It's full of swearing and kind of like adult humour. But a repeated phrase that's like become like a cult classic is, we're getting the band back together. Because that's basically the plot of the Blues Brothers. And they say that a lot in this. And the joke being, they're not a band of musicians, they're a band of adventurers. Hmm. Um, and it's just jokes like, a lot of references to pop culture and just silly jokes that at first didn't vibe with me. Like, there's one joke where they get robbed by a band of all-female bandits and they take their socks first with the phrase, Sock up, girls! And it just made me kind of kind of cringe, like, oh, God, that's terrible. It doesn't, it doesn't work. <laughs> no, but you kind of have to willingly just stop trying to take it seriously and just enjoy it as, like, some silly adventure romp kind of thing. Mm. And then I started enjoying it. And it became a mixture of humorous dialogue slash encounters with some pretty epic fights, I will admit. Um, it was quite clearly someone who had been in a D&D group and they'd broken up a while ago and he'd written this book 
sort of like just for them to relive their glory days of D&D. And someone had mentioned, I'll get it published. And he did, and it has been successful. Mm-hmm. That's quite obvious. But it worked. I enjoyed it. Nice. Well, before we move on to the next book, which you both read and both are eager to talk about. Oh, yes. Are you willing to try the next whiskey? Of course I am. Orchard Experiment. It's not going to be Apple, is it? Um, let me... Uh, oh, look at the bottom while you need let a me, rundown. Let me tell you the trivia. So, the Orchard Experiment is the most recent from the experimental lineup. It only came out about three, four weeks ago. Building. Okay. Interesting, because okay. I'd been looking in a whiskey shop and they didn't have it. Oh. And then I was in Waitrose and they had it. Oh, wow. Okay. It was, it, so I bought it from there and then like... A couple of weeks later, I went back to the whiskey shop. I was like, oh, you finally got it. And they're like, yeah, it finally turned up. And I was like, yeah, this was in Waitrose like two, three weeks ago. I just went and got it from there instead. And they're like, no. Oh, Damn it. Fair enough. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I bought whiskey from there anyway. Well, of but course yeah. you did. Yeah, it was cool. Because yes, this is number five. And so a bit about this is that it's a Glenfiddich, yes. but they have paired with Somerset Panoma Spirit. And so this is finished four months. This Glenfiddich has been finished for four months in Somerset Panoma spirit casks. The oh. Somerset Panoma is kind of like a brandy. Okay, it's similar okay. to that. Um, so yes, of course, it's, but it's like an apple brandy. Oh, it's maybe appley, hence orchard. Oh, so, so it is going to be appley potentially. That's what we are about to find out. The colour of the label and the orchard word and pretty big bold letters finally came through to me yes. as apple so yes so um this is interesting because this is the f- i think it's the first time this has been done because scotch c- cannot be matured in cider casks whereas like right. bra- brandy because c- it's the under the scotch rules whiskey why do they hate cider so much i don't know but um snobs but I think it's something they might be looking at changing because just to stay competitive. But of course, brandy is a tad different. Well, it's interesting. This is a plastic cork, whereas the, oh, yeah, that's whereas true. the other ones are... Uh, Can I see? We're um, wooden. Maybe you can fit us running out of money. <laughs> I highly doubt that. It's interesting. I think I actually prefer the look of the other bottles. If Agreed, I'm... especially with the wooden corks. I, I like, like... To be like, look at the firing cane bottle. It's actually you can barely see through it. Like the, the actual glass of these two bottles, the other two is darker, but this one is liquid. Look, 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 do you see? It's lighter up here than down here. It's got a fade. I, oh yeah, the firing cane is definitely my favourite in terms of bottle and taste. Right, until well, yeah. well, I haven't tried this one yet, have I? So here we go. So here's. Experiment number five. Thank latest. you very much, Henry. Latest I thought I should have said that earlier. So what percentage is this? 43. 43. So what was firing? That's 43. 40. That's 47, and that's 43. So Project 20 is the most... Is that the highest ABV? Okay, so... Cheers. Cheers. I'm getting apple. Oh, I'm getting I'm apple. Getting apple. <laughs> but, but for me... Even my, un, you know, unrefined palate is the screaming apple. But for me, I'm getting apple pencils, you know, the sweets. What? No, I've never had those. Have you never had them? Never had apple pencils. How have you never had apple? 
I've literally never heard of them until right now. They are amazing. Right, I'm, I'm going to get you a pack. I'm going to give you a pack of Apple pencils because they're okay. some of my favourite sweets. But yeah, the Apollinus is reminds me of those. Oh, now I really want a pack of those. <laughs> my local corner shop sells them, so I might have to get some. Yeah, I'm getting... Yeah, it's interesting because I, I thought, no, it's not going to be Apple-y. It's just, gim- just going to be a gimmick. It's just going to be saying that for marketing. And like, oh, no, yeah, I'm getting Apple. I'm yeah, intrigued to try this now. Mm. Yeah, it's really fresh and bright. Mm. And perfect for summertime, I think. Apple pie. That, apple pie, yeah. I think that was a good It's time. definitely good. not the cider kind of apple. You would not mistake this for... You would not say it's cider, but it has anything to do with this. Well, it's not cider. It's it's, it's, I mean, I know I know it's not, but sometimes you, you, you say apples and alcohol and you think cider. Yeah. Mm, that is... Yeah. Oh. Cheers. Cheers again. <laughs> Much drier than I thought it would be. Doesn't taste quite so apple either. Crisp. Crisp, definitely. But like... Well, of course, it's well. It's still whiskey at the end of the day, isn't it's it? It's still whiskey, yeah, but I was expecting a much stronger apple taste. Yeah. Quite oh, I'm quite relieved, actually. It, tastes, it still tastes of whiskey. Drier. I'd say um, sort of a hint of apple mixed with oak, I would say. Yeah, that's fair. But I'm, I'm not picking up much apple, Henry. Well, that's the thing. At the, end, it, at the end of the day, it is still whiskey. It's not like it's been infused with apple or anything like that. Yeah. The, the cask will have given it that sort of aroma and flavour but it's never going to be it's not like it's not like drinking cider or apple juice or anything like that it's never going to be apple it is still oh I want a cider now it is still whiskey but it is it's nice hmm it, yeah like you said it's kind of it feels a bit drier I was kind of expecting a slightly longer lasting yeah almost fruity-ish sweetish finish but mm. it's certainly unique hmm it's kind of like a dry, you know, like when you have a dry cider, that kind of yeah, like a very on your tongue, a very dry mild cider. You know, like, that kind of like the, that kind of bite you get on your. On your oh, tongue. I know exactly the kind of cider that I would relate this to: Jack Rat Scrumpy Cider, or maybe that's too scrumpy. But I would say that, that that's the closest cider to this. Have I, have I let you try that before? I think so. Maybe it's just me, but I'm getting a slightly soapy element to it. Soapy? Maybe it's when I last cleaned that glass. Maybe it's just me. Something I get to it is a bit soapy. Mm. On the taste. It's like mm. lingering on the tongue. No, no just me. No, I think it's just you. Just me. Fair enough. Well, whilst, whilst we sip and consider, mm-hmm. Wisdom of Crowds. Wisdom of Crowds by Joe Abercrombie. What we've been waiting to discuss. Spoiler free. Spoiler free discussion first. Spoiler free discussion first. It's uh, given at this point. Any Joe Abercrombie book we talk about. We're going to love. We're going to love. It's great. We're going to love. I would say, you can, or welcome to disagree. I don't think this Joe Abercrombie book tied off the trilogy quite as well as before, as um, Last Argument of Kings tied off the the preceding trilogy. I think, I'm trying to avoid spoilers here. I think it's because it left a few open-ended questions. You're quite right, but... It tied up quite... It lacks a, that snappy punch of an ending. It, I think it, it kind of went for it, and I, it it didn't miss the mark, but it didn't hit quite as well as... The last, last argument yeah. did in the same way. It, it, it tied a lot up at the end, 
but it, it I think I think it's almost like he was juggling too much and ended up fumbling I, I don't think it's that I think it's he left whereas with last argument of kings he left a few strands da- strands dangling so that it left it more open for future entries mm. this one has left quite a few more strands dangling so it's like okay it kind of wraps up this trilogy all this comes together this comes together okay that explains why that happened very much like he did before and I'm glad he did because I was like oh he does it perfectly I think so it much. was worse for me than it was for you and I'm not trying to boast but I guessed a lot of what was going to happen we'll talk about it more in the spoiler section but a lot of what happened I was like yep guess that from book one I'm not trying to boast that I'm some sort of chess genius that can outsmart Joe Abercrombie or got clairvoyance but I'm just like I've read one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 10, 11 that's the 12th one of his books I've read so by this point I you know his mind fairly well. I know his writing style. I know his writing style. I'm just like, what sort... If I... As I was reading um, A Little Hatred, the first book in this trilogy, I was like, okay, how's this going to end up? What's Jarrah Crombie going to do? He's going to do this. He's going to do this. And I was right. So I guess for me, it, it lacked that punch because what I expected to happen, happened. And I think I wasn't supposed to expect it, but... Maybe I'm, I think I was too smart for my own good and ruined it for myself. <laughs> I think that's what we're going with. But books, the rest of the, the rest of the book, like the middle bits and everything, they were still excellent. There were still some bits that I was like, oh, that was amazing. That was so well done. Mm-hmm. Again, he does what we've praised him for before his chapters where he will shift perspective. Yeah. I don't, I think it was, it wasn't battles and stuff in this one. It was, slightly different riots riots yeah it was just change, changing perspectives in that which I kind of felt was still great but maybe not quite as impactful as some of the battle ones you're absolutely right but if he just has a Gerber Crombie Battles. battle yeah. chapter it in every one of his books yeah. it's just it's, it, it he's just relying old. on that too much it becomes old you're right he had to, he had to branch out he had to be a bit more experimental and a bit more bold and try something new. I think. Yeah. I, I think it. Well, so, you're right. Not the same effects, but it, it still, worked. It still worked very well. It still well. worked, He's, and it was the right thing to do. I think he's still a master of doing that. It's oh, hundred percent. Like I said, like I've said before, you you only get like a page or two with each of these characters within the chapter, but you still feel like you know who they are. Yes, it's just a master. And this of doing time, that. some of them showed up later in the book. Yes, and yeah. you're like, oh, yeah. I know who that is. Yeah, That's that guy. Yeah. Oh crap, you're back. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Then that was. Really I thought well that done. was really smart. That, that was, was really well smart. But yeah, it's interesting. Kind of um, again, you see this of the main characters. You see this shift and evolve, and like characters who we didn't particularly like at the start. You're like, oh, you're actually quite a decent person. And then a few others, you're like, oh, you were. Uh, oh, you're not quite as nice as we thought you were. And then others, you're like, oh, he's. Oh damn. Yeah. And then others, he's like, oh. You, Oh, you've you've gradually been building them up, and they are going to become very important at some point soon. Mm. And it's just like um, just other things. It's like, oh, I, it's like, okay, this is building towards something. And I think we've been we've been, we've been given half truths and a few lies with a few characters, and we're like, we're going to see completely different sides to them in the future and stuff we weren't expecting or stuff we could have guessed at, but oh. So much can be revealed in the future. I think it was 
is like you said, yeah, I think with the original trilogy, it's kind of it could have just been you could you could have left it there and it was like a complete story and it was good. Yeah, Whereas this one. It, it wraps it all it does wrap it up at the end but it is also set up stuff for the future to be, to expand yeah what I get yeah I get that I get that I think I'm not complaining at all oh no I'm not oh, I'm not trying to say I didn't like the book I, I, the series even either um, I I think it was a worthy addition and I did to the series as a whole and I did enjoy it I didn't enjoy it as much as the original trilogy but then when does anyone enjoy yeah, I think sometimes we look through, we look back at stuff we really enjoyed. Rose-tinted lenses, yeah. Glasses, yeah. I um, mean, how old was I when I read The Blade itself? I was... It was 2013 or 2014 yeah. that I read that. That's nearly 10 years ago. Yeah. So it's been nearly a decade since I read that, so I could definitely be misremembering some bits. Mm. Would you like to move on to the spoiler discussion? Do you have any other bits to say non-spoilery? Uh, no, I don't. No, I'm just... Uh, I just say, thoroughly enjoyed it. I think the trilogy is a whole. What do you think of the trilogy as a whole? Mm. I think it's still fantastic. I think Joe Abercrombie Still is fantastic. He's still a master. 100%. Um, I, lo- I, I love... One the- thing I did notice about this, the original trilogy started out with this su- complete subversion of the typical fantasy quest. You've got the barbarian killer who is actually a nice guy. There's a barbarian killer who hates killing. The torturer, who's actually a nice guy. The wise... You can't say that. Because, sorry, when you told me this premise before, and then I started reading the book, I was like, no, no, he's not a nice guy, Tom. He's not a nice well, guy. Okay. No, no, he's not like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm torturing, I feel really bad. He's like, that's not what you need to be nice. No. As but far no, as the way, the way, going, yeah, the not w- that bad. The, well, the way you described it to me, I was expecting like a really nice guy who just does this because he has to provide for his family. It's not like that at okay, all. Okay, but I, I misrepresented yeah, you, that. You, yeah. Okay, but then you've also got the wizard, the wise wizard, who is not a nice guy. Yeah. So yeah, no, but it, it, I think this still have been though, I think... It's not got it's those in, subverted characters. I think no, but I think for the original trilogy, it was very obvious that they were the subversions at the start. Whereas yeah. this one, it's become great. You've, for its own thing. Yeah, if, in this one, you've had the prince who is kind of self-absorbed oh, and everything. Yeah, but saying. then gradually, as he comes along, he's actually, oh, you're actually a reasonably clever guy and you're actually turning out to be a likeable decent person who's trying to do his best given the circumstances whereas the hero yeah, character to begin with he's like oh yeah this guy's really cool he's heroic and everything and then he goes on and he's like actually you're kind of a dick yep and he gets worse yeah and he gets worse and then you have you have someone who's ambitious and driven and it's all about themselves and then they're like and then they gradually shift and they're like oh I need to become a better person as well mm. and so I think like you said, with the original trilogy, it's very obvious at the start they're subversions. Whereas this follow-up, I suppose trilogy, they grow more, they, don't they? They change and they grow, or they adapt, and you and that becomes the subversion of their original. Okay, character. that's fair. That's a fair point. Yeah, I haven't thought about it like that before. So yeah, well, I think it's particularly noticeable. With also, uh, I suppose because they're not caricatures who've been altered, they seem more real. Hmm. No, I get that. That's fair. Are you ready to move on to the spoiler discussion? Yes, we shall move on to the spoilers. Do you want to lead off? Oh my god! <laughs> the battle for Carlion. I was going to say, oh my god, we're getting another trilogy. <laughs> well, we're going to get another trilogy, 100%. Like, that ending is like, yeah, there's going to be more shit happening. But 
Oh my god, when the bit that I didn't see coming was how Ricky run that won that battle and became Black Ricky. Yes, that was so That was so cool. The way she arranged that and the way it was written, you're just like, oh no, she hasn't been falling apart and losing control. She planned all of this. Yeah. Like, oh shit. Yeah, <laughs> I was the same thing. I was like, oh, she's losing control. Everything's going wrong for her. And, and I was like, of the long eyes, she actually hasn't got it. And so she can't predict him. And she doesn't actually, well, she doesn't, kind of does still have it. But... Is she can control it more, yeah. or she can't control it more. It just happens it's, sometimes, it's but she can't use it at will, basically, yeah. very well. But it's like, oh, oh, damn! She used her brains. She is smart. She freaking she beat Black Calder at his own game. She turned the tables and won, undoubtedly. Yeah, mm. that was really good. And then um, the bit where the other bit where I was like, oh, it's complete. Oh, fuck, they changed the game. Was where uh, that. Um, the loyalists and Leo were charging into the city and they're going to save everyone oh, that's and true. then uh, and then um, he just stabs yeah, Colonel he's, Forrest he's, he's stabs Forrest Marshal Forrest, like, Forrest now yeah I was like oh I liked Forrest <laughs> like, oh I sort of knew he might do this it wasn't that much of a shock but no. it still had this right effect I was like oh Oh, oh damn! Oh yeah, he's just it, gone because it was just quite sudden. It was like, oh uh, yeah, and he stabbed him in the chest, and then like, yeah, we're taking control now. It's like, oh damn! Oh damn! But yeah, it was like we were saying, like um, that subversion of the characters. Like Leo was this. Hip- he he hip- goes from like the young lion, like the hope for the union, like their shinest hero, and he just becomes their dictator. He he becomes he almost becomes like Glockter, and I think I've said this to you before. Oh, he is almost a parallel of Glockter. Because oh, cause he's got he's, the, he's, he's got crippled. The, yeah. He's become dark, darker, twisted, twisted, like Glock did it. Because he was in the flashbacks or the bits we heard of Glock, he was this kind of this shining hero of the Union, mm. and he spent months in prison and tortured, and he became this much more dark and twisted and sinister character. But then that was another plot twist that it was Glockter who. Let me guess, that's the bit. The bit that's the bit. I completely knew that was coming. I was <laughs> like, well, I've got a rule. When it comes to secrets in fantasy books, or most books actually, it's always the person you least expect. So who do you who is the least the person you'd least expect to be inciting a rebellion against somebody? Head of the secret police. Last person you'd expect ever. Mm. That so I was, and I was like, Where, that was right. Whereas me Although I, I didn't see Zuri. Oh no, did I? No, I didn't see Zuri. I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that coming. But, um, Anyway, going on to Glockter. At first, I thought it was going to be Bias because we know from the first trilogy. I was expecting Bias to have some more stake in I, this. Yeah, I thought it was Bias. Part of me was going to think maybe Bias is the re- the weaver and he's taking things up to rebuild it from the ashes, like exactly. a phoenix. Yeah, that's what I. But was I my, my money was still on my boy Glockter. I thought it was going to be Bias because I was like, for a while, it was like we're not actually really seeing much of him compared to the first trilogy. He's in it a lot less. He's kind of there in the shadows. When he is there, he's has less of a punch. Remember him in um, The Heroes? There's a dialogue bit, which I still love to this day, where he's introduced to some general. And the general's like, oh my god, Bias, first the Meiji. The honour is mine. And Bias goes, yes it is. <laughs> I love that bit. 
But is um. But he doesn't have anything as snappy or as brutal as he, that he, in this. He's, he's almost he's like lot, an idiot in some a, bits. Yes, he's a lot more in the shadows. I feel he's a lot more in the shadows, but also less. It's also he's being outplayed. Yes, he is being outplayed. He's been shown which, up, which is what I quite, I, which I really enjoyed because I was like, I'm just waiting for someone to take him down. Um, because you can't take him down. Mm, but he's been shown up, so he. It's not saying that he's infallible, but. Yeah, I thought, oh, maybe it's Baez kind of shaking stuff up from the shadows to kind of rebuild and change stuff up. Um, and then you think it's Pike, and then it's not Pike, and it turns out it's Glockter. As soon as Pike said he, that he is the Weaver, I'm like, no, I'm right, it's Glockter. Pike does nothing about Glockter to say so. Yeah. But, yeah, and it's like the constant shift. It was the... I, to be honest, I was very surprised that the revolution takes place within like the first fifty pages. I thought it was going to come later. Oh, that's fair. I, I thought it would come later in the book, and it would kind of be how it would end. Whereas the revolution happens. It's well, I kind think of, he wanted to show how the human nature would ruin that sort of idealism. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like even Glock said, like, "Oh, our plans had to move up because this happened sooner than we expected," and it was like, "Yeah, everything went." quicker than they were planning and it's just like it, it was all going well at first or it seemed everyone was happy and then stuff starts going to shit the, the breakers kind of lose control the burners take over stuff goes to shit people are dying freezing starving and um yeah and then like order is kind of reintroduced but in a very harsh dictatorial way and it's like this character who was set up to be a shining hero, Leon, or Leo rather, sorry, um, <laughs> ends up, like you said, almost becoming like a dictatorial character. Yeah. Like father, like son, or grandfather even. Yeah. Well, at least, yeah, because like, he was traitor and then he becomes traitor. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sad they killed off also, though, because going from the first book where he's kind of like a spoiled brat and then he actually redeems himself in the second book and then in this he's actually a decent person in this one he's a decent I, I love <laughs> his final line Leo Brock how's the leg <laughs> yeah. to my to my sister's husband all I can say is how's the leg <laughs> just like the petty my, sort of comeback like, oh that's such a good line for your character to end on <laughs> Uh, I, I like how he makes his own execution if you're awkward. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just like, I was sad because his character really grew on me. I mean, yeah. That's just a sign of such good writing is that he took a kind of dislikable character at the start and actually made them one of your favourites. Yeah, no, he, he was portrayed very well. Yeah. But then, yeah, there were, some, like you said, twists. I did not see... Because Zuri is a character we've seen before, but she was under another name. Yeah. She but was, as soon as they mentioned the bandages under yes, her clothes, she, you're like, oh my God, it's you. It's you. I can't remember your name, but I know exactly who you are. Yeah. Because she was in The Heroes. And she was in The Heroes and she was in Best Served Cold as well. Yeah. I forget what her I, name is in both yeah. those books. But it's like... Your scripture and, teacher, the Prophet Carl. Yeah. But then she's like, oh, I don't follow him anymore. And But then some... Um, the very ending of the book where it's Ricky has that vision and it's like oh okay we're going to be getting more books but also I love it when writers do that like they may as well say here's a trailer for everything I'm going to write in the future and you're like oh shit hmm. that's what it was it was like a trailer it was generally a trailer of what we can expect from these characters in the future and it's like it's interesting that one of them 
has been set. Hildy has been set up as potentially being a main character. I loved her character, to be honest. Yeah. Just constantly like putting also in his and place. And the uh, unnamed. Did they never? They never really explained that boy. Prince. Who is that boy? He's the. He's the son of Calder, the half brother of. Oh, what was his name? The Stour. That's it. He's the half brother of Stour. Oh, is he? Yeah. Did they mention that in the book? Yeah, Did I miss it. that shit? Yeah, he's the half brother of Stour because like. When Calder's about to be executed, there's like, oh, your bloodline end ends here. And he's like, ah, you, I see you don't see everything. And oh. he gets killed. And it's like, I remember that chapter where Clover turns, and it's like, the door opens, and the old guy with the sword, and it's like, he's at the Northern Library. He's at the Northern Library. Yeah. And it's like... Oh. And, and you see by us, he's butchering things again. Like, in, like at the start of... He's cutting wood. Oh, he's cutting wood. wood. But like, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's, a, a, it's a very it's a similar back. open. It's literally a callback to this. Yeah, it is. Like, like, he sees this wizened old wizardy fella and goes towards him. But no, the woodcutter, he is the first of the Magi. Yeah. And he's like this Magi. bald, macho person. He's like, oh no, he's the wizard. Yeah. But it's then like how Baez is already starting to create. But then it's like the, the bit at the end of the what the long eye sees it's like but he's got all those threads that he's all weaving all those threads but it's then like it's like there's the stone and then in the stone there's a circle of ruins and then there's a figure there's a door and the door opens and there's a figure and it's like I am returned I'm like oh I don't think anything Baez has told us is true and I think he's actually a really really bad guy and there's going to be demons and shit in the future oh that's fuck my, that's my prediction he's like that's a good point there weren't many demons or things no there's, there's a lot less magic in this one yeah but my prediction is except for the long eye shit of course my prediction is that uh, everything Baez has said is actually bullshit bullshit and he is actually in league with like a higher demon or something to oh, bring fuck. about the end of the world or the resurrection of the demons so I think everything he's said about how he was like Juven's Apprentice, yeah. and like um, they were fighting for the good and everything. I'm like, oh yeah, no, I think he actually killed a bunch of people, and he's actually serving his own interest in a higher master. And I'm just like, oh, conspiracy theories, yeah. But then we have like cool stuff with like Sabine, and we got the, the, her kids now, who are probably going to be future future characters. Future yeah, hundred percent. I have wonder what th- happens to Sivers. Do you think we'll get another standalone book where it finally shows him dying? Uh, I think they've hinted at his death in the final, in in that flat. In the oh, of course, line. because the boy has, has his, his sword. sword. So you think he killed Sivers? I think he's by that him. point, Sivers will be ancient. Yeah, <laughs> so it won't be too difficult. No, but um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about one point and I'm gonna go. To I love the see. I love the line in one of Orso's final chapters where he's like. He doesn't think he can fight off cool sivers with a dinner fork. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, no, best of luck, man. That was an excellent plot twist as well. That was an excellent plot twist. I saw, I, I kind of, as soon as he went to Ricky, I saw that coming as well. But at the same time, it, it, I still felt it. Mm. it. It's interesting, like, um, even the way they were talking about the two babies of um, Sabine and Leo, Harrod and Ardy. I think they're setting... Harrowed up to be actually quite a weak character. Mm-hmm. And I think RD might be a more stronger rambunctious ram- like character. Comedy. Yeah, it's like the comedy. way they describe the two babies and how they interact. It's like, oh, I think this is how he's going to set those two characters up in the future. But I can't wait, Strobe Crombie, hurry up! Yeah. But yeah, I, I said, like, no, don't make it draw it out. Take it the time you need. But I wonder if he's going to do a few more. Make it good. I'd be happy with that. Uh, 
Not that I would complain, but I wonder if he's going to do a few more spins. I want that, actually. Jibber Crombie, listen to this podcast. Well, actually, just, just listen to the podcast. That'd be fantastic and all on its own. <laughs> but, um... Oh, did I send you the link to that other project he's working on as well? Like the elves and shit who do like a bank heist or something? I don't think so. I told you about this. Maybe. Anyway, we'll come back to that at another point. Yeah, I, li- I like Savine's character adaptation that she was like, we actually have to make this change for good now. Mm. And she becomes kind of a slightly pragmatic version of herself, but she's like, I'm actually trying to do good. Whereas and when she completely, like, um, dominates hum- Leo yeah, she, in the politics. Hum- humiliate, humiliates him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, he was making some foolish decisions. Yeah, he's like, we got to build our army and we got to invade. And she's like, yeah, we've had enough death and destruction. Let's rebuild. And like, who's with me? And, like, everyone's like, yeah, let's... let's They're let's more afraid of her than they are of him. Yeah. Um, Which I fully agree with. So that was good. My the one disappointment I had with um, uh, the series was I was kind of hoping we might get we got the ever so we got a reference and a hint to two of these characters. One was Logan, where we got a character reference. Oh, I remember meeting this man Lamb in the far country. Yes, like yeah, you met Logan. And, but I was kind of hoping he might turn I up. I thought he might turn up, yeah. And then there was... I he know, must be ancient by this yeah. point, though. And then I can't remember her other... Her name. Pharaoh Maljan. Pharaoh. And it was like, you hear all this stuff that's going on this in the South, and the prophet's been unseating, the emperor's been unseating, and you're like, yeah, that's Pharaoh wreaking havoc in mm. the South. And I'm like, I'm just waiting for... I kind of like her. to what, see read even a sort of like... Um, Batman style book where he goes on like a vigilante rampage hunting down yeah. the people who wronged him in the past. Yeah. A bit like Best Surf Cole, but like with more violence. Yeah. Because like the South became completely unstable. Mm. And it's like it's never explained how, but it's like you know she's you know got it's something her. to do with Well, someone, is, I think in um, The Heroes, Zuri or whatever her name is at the time says that her brothers have been killed by a demon. And you know, that's not a demon, that's Pharaoh. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah, her, her brothers are fine, though. Well, two of them. Two of them, I suppose he has more. And yeah. whether they're her actual brothers, I don't know. I think maybe it's just the Eaters. Mm. And that's another reason I think uh, Baez might be uh, bullshitting is because Sulphur was an Eater, and that's like that would be going against completely against... I think that one of the characters in the original trilogy, does uh, Yolwei, whatever his name is, does say, like, why have you got Sulphur around? He's an Eater, what the fuck? Yeah. But it's like, and, yeah, well, he comes to a... Very messy end, anyway. Sulfur, yeah. No, I wouldn't want to be that guy. It looks like they literally ripped him his yeah, from his Yeah, fucking hell. That was a brutal... That was an intense fight scene. That was. Brutal. To yeah. be fair, for you consider himself against three other eaters, he did well. Yeah, but um, yeah, it was interesting because I thought one of those characters might turn up... Um, yeah, like Pharaoh, I was kind of fully expecting we might hear a bit more from her. No, but, I know his style by now. Not, except for Je- um, Giselle, none of the main characters... Oh, Giselle and Bazaar, like Bias, I suppose. No, and Glockter. Okay, fine, forget what I'm saying, I think. Yeah. But I think I was expecting more to have been made from Giselle's death. I was expecting Glockter to say, yeah, Giselle had to die according to my schedule for my plans to go ahead. I was expecting Glockter to admit... To, or, or by as to oh, yeah, admit. that's the point. We never actually found... Because he was definitely murdered. It was obviously he didn't die naturally. No, but, but no we, one ever established never what he died of. 
And I'm like, I'm expecting someone, either Baez or Brock, to, to go, yeah, okay, I had to do it for my plans. Yeah, we actually never found out who bumped him off. I completely forgot about that. Because like, there was no hints that he was ill or anything. No. In fact, he was still in the prime, he was not the prime of his life, but he was still healthy. He was still sparring, fencing with also. The truth, pure people die at the most unexpected times. True, but a major character from a major well-known character who has a, you know, a prominent role in three novels just dies off just like that. I knew Logan wouldn't turn up. His ending, where he rides off after getting sorry and people back home, and he learns that he's trouble, and he rides off into the distance. Mm. That's it. It's almost a reference to... um, Shane or something one of these old western movies and it's just sort of like he knows what he is he knows his trouble he knows it'll follow him he knows he can't have a normal life in a good family mm. so he goes off to be what he is and that's just a really good ending to his character true but I, I like that character so much I kind of want to see more of them well while yeah. that's true but, but Pharaoh was the one I was kind of I, I was hoping we'd see more because I think when, if we see her again, I think she's going to be the same as she was because she's basically she's been driven mad, basically, driven, basically infected with magic and driven mad. And I think, I think she's going to be almost. She immor- could be a big bad. She I could think, be a, a villain. I think she's going to be like semi-immortal or something. Yeah, like she, she could be like a. I don't think if she turns up again, I reckon she's going to be an obstacle for characters to overcome. I don't think she's going to be a point of view character you're going to be rooting for at all. So yeah, or I think we're going to see her again, but from a character who's in her vicinity, and we're going to see it from their perspective. Yeah, so what that's she's become. Yeah, I would say we would talk about Obi Wan, but you haven't finished it, and I think I haven't going, finished. We've it. been going on for a while. Oh so God, nearly two hours. Yeah, I think we will uh, start to wrap it up here. So to finish off, as we draw the episode to a close, Tom, mm-hmm. which one? What 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 order would you give them in terms of preference? Yeah. All the whiskeys. Hmm. Well, obviously, Fire and Kane, for me, was the best. I, I love the layered I, I, effect. I, I thought it was either going to be that or the Orchard Experiment. Mm-hmm. I would say Fire and Kane because I love the layers. That's my favourite thing about whiskey. Any whiskey that has those layers, I'm going to fucking love. So I'd say Fire and Kane is up at number one. Mm-hmm. I would say number two, for me, I'd probably say the Project XX. Just because it just you know, it's just better. It's, it's it's sort of like these other whiskies. They wish they were this whiskey. <laughs> like this is like the high society of whiskey. Like it's just perfect. And then of the remaining two, well, the, well, the um, Orchard Experiment was unique and interesting. I actually preferred the IPA experiment. I, I just, I just orchard, think orchard experiment is the bottom of your list, which I was not expecting because I thought. Oh, apples, Tom, apples, cider. cider. Yeah, yeah. But, but to be fair, the apple taste is slow, very slightly, understated. Slight generalization of me, but I thought that might be the case. But well, as you, as usual, I have surprised you. Yeah, I would rate the IPA above the orchard experiment because they're both fairly unique whiskies. I can't say I've had whiskey like either of them before, but I'd say IPA is more unique. It stands out as being different more. I would say that there's less going for the autistic experiment mm-hmm. for me. Maybe my palate isn't as evolved enough. But I would say the IPA pulls forward for me. Interesting, because we're not actually too dissimilar. So I'm going Project, Project 20, Fire and mm-hmm. Cane, IPA, 
orchard experiment. I yeah, think yeah. For me, that I to be fair, that's fair. I, I get that. I get why this one would pull forward a bit, but from the smokiness. But I think I think firing Kane is the winner of the four. Because I rate it number one, you rate it number two. Yeah. So that's the best quality whiskey. If you're but, anyone listening, that's the thing. You you rate I rated Glenfiddich. Oh, 20, that's fair. Yeah. So. No, to be fair, yeah. This, so actually, they're equal. So those two are both fantastic whiskeys. Yeah. I think. Um, and we both said that's number three. Yeah. And we both said. I think Orchard Experiment I find very pleasant on the nose, but I'm getting this almost. Soapy element at the whenever at the end of each glass, at the, or the, at the end of each sip, which is kind of the nose, wonderful that appleiness. But then there's I this, don't know what you mean by smoky. I, no, but soapy. I, soapy. Soapy. Sorry, from soapy. I'm sort of getting this um, like lingering taste on my lips or whatever. Like I, I I don't know how to describe it. You know when you drink some like apple juice that's not very good, or like some like apple flavored thing, and it's sort of like. And the edges of your mouth, you can taste the apple, mm. but the rest of it, you can taste something a bit bland. That's what I, that's what I'm sort of getting. I mean, it's still it's still pleasant. It's still oh, absolutely. Drinkable. But it's, I'd um, have any of the other three, especially Fire and Cane. Yeah, compared to the others, I'm. Uh, I think Project Twenty. I think it, like I said earlier, it's that kind of deep richness. Yeah. And the higher ABV, I think, just pulls it forward. Fire and Cane, I think I enjoyed because, like we said, the layers. The layers on that are artful. They're, they're artistic. I, I, I think I've had better peated whiskey. Yeah. But it's it's still enjoyable nonetheless. I've not had a whiskey that does the layers like that as well as Fire and Kate in a long time. I'll have to I'll pick out a few more for you to try it. Oh, fantastic. Point. I know how to see all the right things. <laughs> I know where to get the good whiskey. Well, this is true. Well, that's interesting. I like changing up the formula with a few of the questions. I thought that I, I'll have to come up with a few more for next time because I think that I really liked how they engaged discussion yeah. as well. Yeah. Anyway, that was that was fun. I enjoyed having a lineup for us to try this time. There was something a bit different. A rogues gallery of whiskey. A rogues gallery of Glenfiddich. Anyway, Tom. Well, cheers. Thank you very much for trying them all with me. Well, thank you for joining me. Cheers. Cheers.